MoneyWeb now on the money. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Turning now with uh, Jonathan Brummer, he's an investment consultant at Riscura. Jonathan, appreciate the early morning benchmarks. A, a in, in many senses, a, a really important part of the entire investment process, and, and helps us understand how we're doing. Less about the short term, more about the medium to long term. The important point of the benchmark, though, is it really needs to to fit the individual, to fit the the, the risk requirements and the like. Is, is surely the the key point to them. Yes, morning, Simon. That's indeed true. You know, I mean, like many things in life, investing is kind of a relative endeavor. So mm. the thing that you are measuring against, uh, you need to choose carefully, and that's got to match um, basically the outcome that you're trying to achieve is a good starting point for that. I like that. Okay, so so it's focus on what you're trying to achieve, and then use the benchmark. And and, and one of the the popular ones is an inflation, or perhaps a, a an inflation plus sort of benchmark, I see a lot of you know, CPI plus three plus four, which I suppose fits into my outcome. But you'd say in the note that you put out that perhaps that's not the best idea. Yes, I think because it's an important thing to discuss because it is such, um, I guess, an accessible benchmark. It's something yeah. that people understand. So if we start, you know, with inflation, we know erodes the buying power of mm. your money. You need to um, increase your investments by more than inflation, which means you're growing your wealth. So up to this point, it all makes sense. But I would argue that inflation and beating inflation is more an investment objective, but isn't that useful as a benchmark, especially over shorter periods? Yeah. And if I, if I could use kind of a metaphor to explain that, if I'm planning a trip, I'm in Joburg, I want to drive down to Cape Town, let's say it's 1,400 kilometers, I'm going to do an average of 100 kilometers an hour, so it's going to take me 14 hours. I might choose my benchmark as that 100 kilometers an hour. The reality is during the trip, I'm going to have zones where I'm doing 60, zones where I'm doing 120. I'm going to stop you know, mm-hmm. to refill with fuel and, and buy a pie and whatever it is along the way. And so that average 100 kilometers an hour isn't a useful benchmark. And I think CPI is similar in the sense that CPI moves quite slowly. It changes, you know, let's say between 3 and 6%. Mm-hmm. Um, but investment markets, your return can be much more volatile, can be up by 20, down by 20. And so when you're comparing to that CPI plus, especially over shorter periods, and short could be even five years, yeah. uh, it's not going to be that useful. You're not going to know whether you're on track or not. So, so those are one of the, I guess, the downsides, the failings of CPI plus as a benchmark. Although an investment outcome, it's useful over long periods. The benchmark, not that useful over no, short I like period. that. And I like the analogy. It, it, it makes sense. And I've often looked at it and I'm thinking, you know, in 2022, your offshore portfolio is 100 miles away from CPI. But you shouldn't be panicking because this is what markets do sometimes. So then brings to the question, I mean, what sort of types of, in, of, of benchmarks are used in industry that are, that are worth uh, uh, considering for, 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 for listeners? Well, I think there there are two others that I'd mentioned. The one Mm. you'll find is what's called a peer relative benchmark. Mm -hmm. And that's often, and I don't think this is a great benchmark because it's kind of (laughs) keeping up with the Joneses. It's saying, I want to do at least as well as someone out there. And that's the problem. Defining who that someone is, is very hard. And really, what does it matter? Because you need to be focused on your own goals, not someone else's. So again, uh, it is a benchmark that's out there. I'd say just be careful. Where I think a useful benchmark, how you construct a useful benchmark, 
uh, is really to look at the underlying building blocks. And those are the asset classes that, that you invest in. So if we go back to, I want to achieve a CPI plus something, let's mm -hmm. say CPI plus five target. Mm -hmm. You now need to work it back and say, to do that, I need a particular asset allocation. So quite simply, if you invest all in cash, it's highly unlikely you will achieve that, which means you're going to be adding some risk assets, equities as an example. And once you know the mix of those asset classes you have, we can use a proxy for that asset class. There are indices that are created to represent that asset class. Mm -hmm. And you use that as your benchmark. And that's similar to saying, if we go back to our analogy, of saying, well, for the first uh, five kilometers of my journey, I'll be in a 60 zone. So I'm going to use 60 kilometers an hour as my benchmark during that period. Then when I get on the highway, I want to stick to 120, etc. So it's a, it's a better um, a relative, I guess, position to measure against. And the good thing, you know, is if um, I achieve reasonable returns relative to those over, over the short term, I will get to my CPI plus five over the long term. So a, a good benchmark, I think, starts with what is your, your outcome, then pick the asset classes that are and the mix that will get you there and then and use those asset classes as the benchmarks. And that's going to work actually over very short periods, you know, one month, one mm. year, uh, any period of work. And what I like about that is it almost constrains you in a sense in, in terms of, of, of going too far out on the limb in terms of risk. When you know what your outcome is and you know what you're trying to achieve over your, your investment lifetime, now suddenly you realize, okay, well, this is what I'm going to need. Uh, let me build my benchmark around it. I don't need to go and buy you know, the crazy risk assets on the, on the far left field. Yes, exactly. Again, if we go to our metaphor, uh, you'll know that when you're on the on the highway, 120 is right. But even if you're behind your your average benchmark, you know you're going to catch up. Yeah. But you're also not trying to go 140, as you say. You're not trying to increase risk to catch up because you know over time you will you mm. will you will um, catch up. I think it also helps with expectation yeah. setting. So, what as an investor, if if, if my investment is down five percent over in one year period. You know, does that mean I should panic? Does it mean I've done something wrong or I should change something? If I'm measuring it relative to a CPI plus, which is clearly going to be a positive number, you know, I, I might make a wrong decision. But if I can measure it relative to a mix of asset classes and I understand that equities were down in this particular period, I think it gives, although it's not a great a feeling, but it gives a sense of comfort <laughs> that my plan is still on track. This is normal behavior. But I like that expectation setting. I'd never thought of that. That's what your benchmark does, perhaps more than anything. Of course, it's tied to your outcome, but I like that. We'll leave it there. Uh, that was uh, uh, Jonathan Brimmer. He's investment consultant at Risk Cura. Jonathan, appreciate the early morning. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.